0: Alright, welcome back to Edgework on the Hammer Betting Network, a daily live NHL show Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can find us on YouTube as Edgework there. You can find us on Twitter at Edgework Show, and you can find all the picks that are given out on this show in real time and after the fact, see how we've been doing on the season on the Betstamp app in the Find Better section as Edgework. Just Alex and I today, so we will go through some of our takeaways, give our best bets, and then uh, let you guys get out of here to go and place those bets yourselves. But Alex, how's it going today?
1: Yeah, going pretty good. Um, a couple of, of good games last night on TNT, so it was uh, fun to watch. Also, caught a little bit of the uh, the World Juniors battle between the U.S. and Canada. Canada, of course, getting the victory there. Connor Bedard still looking absolutely incredible. Uh, as a Hawks fan, I'm really hoping that he's wearing a <laughs> yeah. red, red, black, and white uh, this time of the next year.
0: Yeah, that kid is insane. It, it's watch, Watching him is nuts, too, because... I remember vividly like watching McDavid when he was in the World Juniors and it's not to uh, diminish anything that he did and you do have to remember like there are sometimes like these guys are kids and McDavid at that point was t- technically like a kid playing in yeah. the World Juniors but just watching Bedard has been it's been a different experience at least for myself being Canadian being so invested in all of the Canadian games that they're playing because it's the first time in a while that I've been watching and have felt like on the edge of my seat every single time he's on the ice and he's 17 years old. And it's like, he touches the puck and he, he just looks lethal. He is like, he's dominant in the sense of like, I'm going to go out there and, it's not even just I'm gonna do it all on my own. It's like I'm gonna make a difference every time he goes out on the ice. He's been extremely exciting to watch. I don't know. Is there a player for you in the World Juniors that you can remember being like that exciting or that kind of uh, able to be a game breaker?
1: No, I, I really can't. And and you know I don't watch that much international hockey to be honest. Like I said, the last time I followed it probably was when McDavid and and you know the hype machine kind of really got rolling after the World Juniors for him and of course. Uh, we see what kind of a superstar he is now, but Bedard—the poise that he has, and, and his body presence. I mean, he's only five nine, but he plays larger than he is, and, and he's—you know—he's a, a stronger player for, for his height. Of course, that's going to change over time once he gets into the NHL. But he's still got some growing to do. So if he can put another, you know, four inches on another twenty-five pounds. Uh, with the skill that he has, that he's going to be absolutely electric for years to come. So he, it's been fun to watch him, and uh, it'll be fun wherever he does land in the NHL. It'll be interesting to see how he does. I'm certainly, uh is a slam dunk for the number one overall pick.
0: Well, it's funny too. You say that, like, oh, if he can put on this height, if he can put on this weight, a lot of kids you'd be looking at in the World Juniors. It's like, well, how realistic is that for them to continue to grow at that rate? But He's 17. (laughs) Like that's very possible. Very Mm -hmm. possible between 17 to uh, like age 21. I grew like three inches and put on 40 pounds. So it's like, it's not out of reach for him to be able to grow at a, at a quick rate there. But before we get into some of the NHL stuff, I do want to ask you at least quickly, did you catch the two called back goalie interference calls last night in that game? I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So (laughs) I am Canadian. You are American. I tried to remove bias when watching it, but there's been a little bit of an uproar online about it. I just want to know what your opinions are on uh, on both calls, essentially.
1: I mean, I jokingly tweeted this said, "Oh well, you know, this kind of feels a little fishy with two goals called back for the U.S. You know, having the tournament in Canada." But uh, jokes aside, now the first goal was questionable enough to where it's a coin flip. I didn't really mind that. The second goal call back. That one did not seem like interference to me. I thought that was just, you know, a good hardworking play in front of the net, and you know, it should have been qualified as, as a good goal. But that first one really changed the dynamic because yeah. that game that was going to, uh, you know, tie the game up. Canada goes to take the four two lead, and it was never really a shot. Even even if that goal, that second goal stands, that's four three. Canada still had uh, all the momentum on their side there. So. It, it, it didn't make much difference in the end. And of course, when you look at the final score, but yeah, those were a, a bit questionable. And I mean, we see them in the NHL all the time too. You're not going to get every call, right? So, yeah. you know, you, at the end of the day, you can't really slam it for it. I don't, I don't think there was any kind of sabotage at all. Mostly, <laughs> mostly joking when I put most of that tweet up. So.
0: Yeah. The first one for me was more, the, the first one was very questionable for me. I was like, okay, I can understand if they don't call this one back. Uh, the one thing I leaned on in that one was like, they call it differently in international hockey. Whether like whether you like that or not, like I don't think that's goalie interference in the NHL. I think that right. they let that fly. Then part of the rule is like, was the puck in the blue paint? Well, he didn't go in the blue paint to get it. It was out of the blue paint, so I was like, okay, I can understand. The second one to me, which is kind of funny to hear you say, is like. I think the second one was a little bit more leaning towards, yes, it was goalie interference. In in my perspective, I think Mm -hmm. it's one of those ones where, like, it was under his pad. The ref does have the onus on him if he can't see the puck to blow the whistle in that situation. So, like, I was kind of leaning a little bit towards even the fact of, like, I think he should have just blown the whistle earlier like he had it under his pad. That was just my opinion watching it and real time as it was happening and then watching it back after I was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, I think this one probably will go, especially given the precedent of the first one when it was like, hey, the first one, which was so questionable, they called back. But that was just kind of where I was at on it. I want to know uh, your opinion and especially considering it's going on. uh, It's being so controversial controversial online right now with people right. back and forth about it. But let's get into some of the NHL action. Uh, last night, there were games on the ice, and I know something that stood out to you was in the Anaheim game. Uh, one of our co-hosts on the show, actually, Joe Madden, she had tweeted out about the fact that the dad's trip, uh, it was an instant fade for her at this point because it seemed like they were having more fun than focusing on the games themselves. But Anaheim manages to go and uh shut out uh Dallas last night like what what did you think of that that game and uh more specifically John Gibson's performance in it
1: well that's a ballsy call by Joe because I mean (laughs) the the dad's trip the mom and dad's trip had been nine and two combined this year amongst NHL teams so uh good call by her to fade that but I mean Gibson you know a guy who's been kind of an auto fade for most of the year turning in a vintage performance, getting the shutout, making 35 saves. This guy had allowed 10, goal, or 10 goals combined in the last two starts. And if he can string together some of these vintage performances, what we saw from him in the first two, three years he's in the league, maybe he gets a ticket out of Anaheim and finally gets to play with a good team. You look at his numbers the last four years. He's led the league uh, in losses in three of the last four. He's currently leading the league now with 16 losses. He had 11 losses in overtime or a shootout last season. It's not all his fault. This guy has had so much work, and he's played through a bunch of injuries. He was playing through a nagging injury at the beginning of the season. I think if he can go to a contending team, get to sit down and and get some legitimate backup minutes, not even be a 1B option, be a true number two option, and get healthy, he could be a a big factor for a team down the stretch. And I think he's one of those guys that probably needs to get moved maybe even before the deadline so he can get acclimated with the team get that rest and then have to come in, maybe make 10, 15 stars late in the year. I think that'd be the biggest thing for him. And I think Anaheim could get a nice return back uh, in making that move.
0: Yeah. I see here a comment from Connor Hartle. Uh, he bet the lightning and stars last night, got Brian Elliott and John Gibson. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> that's a tough one. To that that Elliott me. one is,
1: is really rough too, because I, I was stunned to see him start, The night before against Chicago, knowing he had a great he had a ten to four record against uh, the wild. He had played them often when he was a member of the St. Louis Blues. So, of course, Vasilevsky goes down with illness and he has to play back to back. starts. but I mean, he didn't have much work to do in Chicago. I figured he'd be sharp enough, but uh, that was just a, a great game. We almost saw the goal of the decade potentially by Kirill Kaprizov. I mean, this thing hits the post a quarter of an inch the other way. It goes in the, that between the leg shot. Would have been a, on the highlight reels for years and years to come. Uh, uh, that kid's got a lot of talent. I think he will get one of those big goals at some point.
0: Yeah, Kirill Kaprizov is actually insane. He is he is a very, very fun player to watch. But just kind of to touch on the John Gibson thing quickly, kind of have a follow up question for you on that. Over the past couple of seasons, his reputation has kind of taken a hit. You touch on some of the stats and leading in losses and stuff. I, I think for a little bit of time it was uh he was leaned on as like or looked at as like, oh, this is, he's playing in Anaheim. It's a product of playing in Anaheim. And then I think over the recent, like a recent development over probably the past year and a half maybe has been, okay, yes, this is a product of playing in Anaheim, but he's also not playing that great if you're looking at john gibson here you're a team that's going to trade for him how much does it concern you that maybe it's not just as much of a product of anaheim anymore maybe he just isn't at that tier and do you think he can kind of elevate back to that tier beyond that well, that's the thing. It, it, it's, it's a two-part thing. Like I said, yeah, him playing in
1: Anaheim, and if, and you look at the decline in his numbers, you look at those those numbers he had the first three, four seasons, that was a more defensively sound Anaheim team. They weren't winning that many games, but right. they were more defensively sound, especially with their forward play uh, and, and better blue line. As those guys, you know, kind of faded out, we saw, you know, Getz, Lab, and Perry leave and, and some of those other Star Wars. That's when that his numbers started to decline. And on top of that, logging big minutes and, like I said, playing through injuries. He's a, he's a battle-tested guy who's played through a lot of injuries. I think all of that combined is really what uh, we've seen this kind of this downfall. I don't think it's necessarily bad play from him. Uh, More so than it is, he's been trying to carry this team on his back for the last nine, almost 10 seasons. And and so I think if he gets a chance to rest mentally and not have to be the man, I think that's a a good change of pace for him. He he definitely needs a change of pace and a change of venue. And I think that's the right role for him. Don't put him back into a number one spot somewhere else. Uh, You know, this guy needs, I think, more of a mental break and that'll help him everywhere else
0: almost kind of in a way like what happened with flurry last year going to minnesota where he goes in under talbot who talbot was playing well with minnesota but he wasn't at like the peak level of where he could have been or what they needed in terms of goaltending and they bring flurry in to be that tandem option and ultimately it's like hey fight it out and figure out which one of you is going to be the guy and then flurry kind of comes in and does so yeah that could be a good option i guess just even a short question on it it would be like you're looking at a guy like Vemelka in Arizona. If you're a team approaching the trade deadline, you think maybe you need to bolster your goaltending. You're not looking for a number 1, but you need to bolster it. Right. Would you consider looking at Vemelka as a trade piece there?
1: Oh, I certainly would. I think I think Vemelka and Gibson are probably two of the top 3 or 4 goalies in this conversation. Uh, and I think it depends on what you're looking for. If you're a team, say like the New York Rangers, you're not you're not looking for just a solid number two goalie. Long you'll want something just for the short term in case something happens to Shosturkin. I would go for a Gibson. If you're okay. a team, say like Minnesota, for example, where you've got Gustafson playing really well, he won last night. He won eight of his last nine starts. Flurry's an older guy, kind of on the outside looking in. You know, he's not going to stick around forever. And you've got Je- Jesper Walstead in, in the AHL. Maybe you take a shot with a Vemelka and you flip Flurry, but then you still flip Vemelka the, the year after because that's the thing. You got to juggle with the cap space for a Minnesota team. So there's places you know for both of those teams, for both of those players, rather, teams that are going to make a playoff run. But I think it kind of depends what your long term expectations are. If you're a team that you can give Vemelka and keep him around for two or three years, that that's more uh, likely than if you're looking for a, a cup run right now, you get maybe go for a guy like Gibson and then let him hit the free agency market.
0: Right, and Connor Hartley saying here too sucks that they're in the same division, but LA Kings uh, oh, could use so the services of Gibson or Vamelka. Uh fair enough. Like that's probably that's probably a team that, that Vimelka, could be using Vamelka for quick. I think I think that's a a straight up deal. It, it
1: actually isn't that bad.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I do have something for you for another team and it's kind of uh, somewhat based on where their position in the standings right now and what they did last year and then also kind of the the injuries that they've had to deal with and it's how... How dangerous do you feel that the Colorado Avalanche could still be? They've dealt with the injuries of Landis Gog and McKinnon. You lose Nazem Kadri in the offseason. You lose your goaltender that you went on the run with in Kemper, but you obviously replace him with uh, Georgiev there. Then this team wasn't afraid to make moves at the deadline last year. You go out and they acquire Cogliano and Lekkanen and Josh Manson. Like They were prepared to improve their team and, and go all in for it. Now, you do drop some... Guys, your team changes a little bit naturally, especially with cap and stuff. That's gonna, it's going to happen. But they kind of, they get back McKinnon here, and they've been a team that they're sitting just outside of a playoff spot, one point back of the Oilers, two points back of the Flames, and the Wilds card, like. Do you still look at Colorado as a team that you got to keep your eyes out for? Or do you think that this might be one of those years where it's just like, hey, this was a step back, we suffered some injuries, we had a cup hangover, like... I'm just having a hard time myself evaluating Colorado and what they could be because I, I don't think it's been a big drop-off from last year, even despite those injuries.
1: Right. I mean, the, the injuries have really been the, the catalyst for the drop-off. It's not just a bad play. Whenever you've seen this team healthy, they played really good hockey. It's just that you have yep. only seen it maybe maybe a half a dozen times this entire season. Uh, you know, And some of these injuries are, are like I said, bigger than others. Obviously, uh, you know, getting um, McKinnon back is, is massive. But then you turn around and lose Pablo Francois, who, you know, is a solid number two goalie. Him and Yorgiev have been a, a great tandem. Now you bring in Jonas Johansson, a guy who uh, has proven he does not have the medals to stick around in the NHL. Uh, those little things are what can hurt you now being in the middle of the pack in the Central Division. If they were in first place and all of a sudden they had these injuries, okay, they could weather the storm, still find their way into the postseason, and then be dangerous. But now the fact that they have to work a little bit harder, and there's a lot of teams in that Central, uh, you know, that they got to fight with. uh, Nashville's a pesky team that won't go away. Uh, Right. You know, even Chicago on the odd night can can give you a battle, but you got to deal with the Dallas's, the Winnipeg's, the Minnesotas of the world. Uh, you know, sitting at fourth or fifth place, and then you look at how loaded the Pacific is. It's an uphill climb for them to try to get back into the postseason. I wouldn't be shocked if they missed it, but I do think if they can get healthy and, and do enough time, and maybe make a move or two at the deadline, they, they'll be uh, right there in that wild card range. And if they do get into the postseason, they're absolutely lethal because they have that, that pedigree. Uh, of winning last year and, and being a team that can take take care of business uh, when they're undervalued.
0: All right, let's get into our picks for today, give our, our best bet so we can run through some of those. I'll let you start here. You're looking at one in the uh, Rangers-Habs game here? Yeah, I'm looking at that team
1: total over uh, three and a half. I laid twenty five actually uh, with that on the Rangers. I mean, this is a Montreal defense and, and goaltending unit that's pretty much just been, you know, trash cans and uh, traffic cones right now I mean the way that they're giving up goals left and right you give up you know seven against Florida and this is a Florida team whose offense uh, hasn't been sparkling all year long you give up nine against uh, Washington. And this is a Ranger team. They need that kind of boost. They need those big offensive output games, I think, just to give them confidence and momentum moving forward. They can't rely on Shisterkin to just bail them out and win every game 3-1. I think this is a good confidence booster for the Rangers tonight. Get on the road. Get at least four goals, if not more, uh, against this really sad uh, Montreal defense. So I like the Rangers team total over.
0: All right, fair enough. So again, you can track all the picks that are given out on this show on the Bet Stamp app in the Find Better section as Edge Work. We are currently uh, up on the season so far. You can see. All the progress that we've made, the pending bets that are in there, everything that gets locked in in real time, and uh, the history of the show, a couple uh, rough ones yesterday, but otherwise has been pretty good over the last little while for the Edgeware crew, and we are up 19.6 units on the year, 4.9% ROI, so uh, if you've been tailing along with that, you want to see the picks in real time, make sure to head over to the BetStamp app, you can find it on there. Uh, I've got one here for a game, and it's in the Toronto-Seattle game. I'm going to go with the Leafs puck line, minus 1.5, plus 125. Uh, Part of it is just that Leafs team, um, they're starting to figure out goal scoring, whether it be from uh, just... The top guys, the those guys being heavy, the top four between Nylander, Tavares, Marner, uh, Matthews. And, but now they're starting to get contributions from the lower ends of their lineup. You're getting contributions from the guys like Pierre Angfall and Kerfoot and uh, even Kali Jarncrook fitting in. He's on the second line, but more of like a lower down depth piece kind of player. And when we've seen this Leafs team do that, they've been able to put up significant numbers of goals against teams. You're going up against a Seattle team, which has some shaky goaltending tonight, so you'd hope that the Leafs are going to be able to put up a bunch of goals against them. And then on the other side of it is that Matt Murray has been very good in net for this Leafs team in over the last little while, uh, basically throughout the, the majority of this season. We saw it in the game against Colorado when they won 6-2. He goes in there, he plays pretty well, and the Leafs team is able to put up a bunch of goals. They managed to win by four in that game. You look at the game against St. Louis the other day with uh, with Samsonov in that he's been struggling the last couple of weeks, but this Leafs team still manages to put up five against St. Louis. You lose in a shootout. I think you're going to get some goaltending from the Leafs here tonight. I think you're still going to manage to be able to score a bunch of goals. So Leafs puck line minus one and a half uh, plus one twenty five is uh, is my is one of my picks for today. Yeah, that's not
1: a, a bad look at all. And, and when you look at, you know, how uh, Toronto, that back and forth game, uh, they played, you you, you know, they want to get off to a hot start and play a full 60 minute effort. And that's something that we haven't been able to say about Seattle lately, which is interesting because that was the thing. They were a hardworking, uh, fast paced team early in the year. That's kind of dropped off a bit. I don't think they've fallen off the map completely. I think they're just going through a blip right now. There'll still be a team. Uh, that could fight hard in that Pacific Division. But they're going through some yeah. rough times right now. I think Toronto's getting them at the right time.
0: Yeah, you also kind of need that response out of Toronto here. You're you're still at home. You just played uh, that home game that was a little bit rough, and then uh, uh, you're kind of looking at this like, all right, like right, let's bounce back. We had some weird shaky ones. We lost to Arizona the other day, and, or last week, and had to grind one out against St. Louis last week. So looking for a bounce-back spot here. Uh, I do have a question before we get to your next one here. A question in the chat. Don Schultz saying, Sorrow steals one in Carolina. Call me crazy. Thoughts on that there, Alex?
1: Ooh, that's tough. I mean, Carolina's had uh, a decent track record against Nashville. Uh, Soros hasn't really been stealing much of them lately. But we look at, you know, Kachekov projected the start. He finally kind of laid an egg in his last start. It's the first uh, bad start he's had since he's been up in the NHL. I don't know if he's going to make a habit out of that. So if I had to play it, I would probably look at Carolina, maybe team total over. i would looking at anything Carolina related, not so much national.
0: Fair enough. All right. And then you do have uh, some more best bets. So we'll get to those. Let's see. Let's hear about the one in the Boston Bruins, LA Kings game, like this Boston team, they just continue to roll. But Every time I look at the standings, I don't unfortunately get to follow LA, like uh, watch their games as much as i probably like to just based on the time of their games and everything else that's going on. But uh, like this LA team, they're only four points back of Vegas. They're seven, two and one in their last 10. They continue to win games. The only number that just kind of like grabs my attention every time is there a minus five goal differential on the season And I think a lot of that is, as you've kind of even mentioned here, when we're talking about teams that are looking for goalies, is like they just haven't really got it um, consistently throughout this season so far. So they kind of have to outscore their problems. And then sometimes if you're going to lose a game, you're going to give up a whole bunch. You're not going to be able to fight back. But uh, they're scrappy. They're finding ways to get points. They're finding ways to win games. Uh, What do you have in this Bruins-Kings game tonight?
1: Yeah, they're like the cardiac kings. That's what I've been calling them lately. Six <laughs> of their last 11 games going to overtime. And he said finding ways to win and, and and getting it done with a different cast of characters. You know, Cal Peterson was supposed to be the heir apparent to Jonathan Quick and that. Eventually he finds himself uh, getting put on waivers and now he's buried in Ontario. They call up Phoenix Copley, who's been a journeyman. Uh, in the NHL and NHL for years. Now, all of a sudden, this guy's red hot. So they ride him yeah. and make it quick, the backup. So they're, they're finding ways to win with some different guys. And, of course, they've been keeping games close. And Boston, when they lose, they don't lose in regulation too often. Uh, they tend to lose in overtime. So I like the draw here. I saw it as high as plus 360 at Caesars. Uh, yep. And you look at the series history between these two teams. You've actually had th- three of the last four and five of the last eight meetings go to OT. So uh, that history along with the Kings recent history in O T and even Boston, two of their last four games have gone uh, past sixty minutes. I think that's a good value here. Uh, to take that game going past over or past sixty minutes
0: Yeah, it is being impressive like the Bruins ability to even like if they are losing games they're still managing to get points out of it they yeah. it, whether no matter what they're doing they're just finding ways to continue to build up their lead uh on the league and uh, spe- specifically on the uh eastern conference There, like they just every time i look it's like oh yeah boston lost last night well they lost in overtime they lost in a shoot like they just find ways to get points they make it harder and harder for the teams behind them to catch up so I like that. I like that play. I like that look there. And, and as we get closer into the trade deadline, of course, after the trade deadlines, when it really
1: wraps up, you want to start looking for these regulation draws because you'll see a lot of teams, especially if you're looking at, you know, they're within the same conference, not necessarily battling each other for for space. You'll tend to see teams just kind of, you know, if it's two two or it's three three with about five and a half minutes left in the third period. They're going to put the brakes on. They're not going to risk making a mistake giving up a goal and then coming out of there with zero points. You're gonna see the pace slow down tremendously and you'll see a lot of games going overtime. You can catch some big numbers, talking about you know, plus three twenty to anywhere as high as plus four hundred on a given night. So definitely look at those more and more as we get closer to playoff positioning time in February, March and April. All
0: right. And then uh you got another best bet here in the St. Louis uh or I have a best bet here, sorry, in the St. Louis, New Jersey game. Um, I'm going to take the St. Louis Blues uh, money line in this one against New Jersey. Part of this for me is a lot of times when you see star players go down, you get players below them who step up and you have short spurts of time to capitalize on the fact that those guys, that team will rally around that despite injuries or somebody big going down. It's usually not sustained. It's something that over a longer period of time can kind of drop off. But you're looking at St. Louis here tonight, and they're plus 164 against New Jersey. Uh, This New Jersey team, to me, a lot of this has to do with just, like, numbers in terms of where you get on either side and where you can find best prices in this one. You can find a bunch of 160s hanging around for St. Louis, but um, St. Louis right now, like... They're in a weird spot. They're kind of just outside the playoffs in the West. That Western Conference hasn't been that great, but you drop O'Reilly, you drop Tarasenko, and then you see in the game against Toronto the other night, guys like Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, they step up and they start to fill in some of those roles. And sometimes it's just like you get leaned on a little bit in those positions. You kind of have to be forced to step up and elevate your game. I think we kind of see that out of some of these St. Louis guys. And the other side of it is, I just don't have as much faith in New Jersey right now. They just haven't been that great recently. They are 3-6-1 and 1 in their last 10, and I think that there this could be a spot where, and even just going off numbers in the game, I like the odds on this one. I like kind of what you're seeing on either side. I, I like St. Louis to maybe upset the Devils, like upset <laughs> the, <laughs> the Devils here tonight. And yeah, mm-hmm. Don Schultz even mentioning New Jersey on a back-to-back as well. Yeah. So I, like I, I I like that spot, but we'll see.
1: No, I'm right there with you. I actually got plus 160 with that this morning as well. It's a possible McKenzie Blackwood sighting. So that's yeah. uh, something worth fading. And also looking at just the history, Blues have won eight of the last 11 meetings in New Jersey, 16 of the last 21 meetings overall. So uh, a lot of factors line up here. I, I like St. Louis to you get He gets job done the night as well.
0: All right. Do you have any player props that you like for tonight?
1: Uh, no, I was looking at Stephan Nason uh for carolina i saw his goal uh, anytime goals at at plus 225 that's the closest day i probably look take a shot with uh this is the first time since mid-december where he's gone back-to-back games without a goal uh this guy's been getting a lot of solid ice time especially on the power play i'd take maybe a small flyer with him plus 225 to get a goal anytime
0: all right well if you like plus 225 you're gonna love plus 240 i'm seeing that on uh on points bed (laughs) here so we'll lock that in uh I do have I do have one this is gonna be I'm gonna t- might take some flack for today's show but this is the first time I've been Leafs heavy on any of the shows I think we've done the entire year but I'm going with uh, John Tavares' anytime goal on this one you can find it at plus 205 at Caesars uh, he's performing below right now his expected goals on the season his shooting percentage below where he typically is at he is um, just right now he's been playing a little bit slower over the past couple of games and I think that you're going to start to see that turn around that cannot sustain playing with Mitch Marner with the level of excitement and energy that he plays with and then combine that with the fact that John John Tavares is the net front guy on the Leafs number one power play unit whether it be from tips in front of the net or burying rebounds from shots created from Nylander and Matthews and even bunting at this point who are shooting at high rates like they're just putting out high clips of numbers of shots on goal uh Tavares could be in a prime position to capitalize on something like that on a power play position but uh I wouldn't lean towards a power play uh point for him necessarily I would more just go for the anytime goal scorer in the game plus 205 for John Tavares anytime goal scorer in tonight's game uh that's that's my best player prop for tonight
1: nice
0: nice to as all lot uh, all right, we do have a question in the chat here, so we'll get to this quickly. Don Schultz, or I guess not necessarily a question, but your opinions on this before we go. I like Arizona in Philly tonight also, he says. you have any thoughts on that game? Nah, that's, a, I mean, that's a tough one. I, I don't feel comfortable laying in a price with Philly. Uh, Arizona's been
1: scrappy all year, but I, I don't. I'm, that's one I won't touch, especially in a big card like this. There's other spots I'll lay more, but if I had to play aside, it would be Arizona. Certainly, would be laying uh, nearly a dollar fifty with a Philly right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would. I'm on the same page with that one. That's. Uh, I wouldn't really t- touch that. This that might just be like uh watch and see if there's any carnage kind of game. Uh, game yeah. for me, and just see if there's any storylines that come out of it, and not necessarily have any financial. Maybe, maybe a good live over spot if you see
1: if you see good pace and tempo, but no scoring. Uh, wait for that number to drop down to like around five and a half, and, and then that game could
0: open up. All right, fair enough. And Jordan Mosel saying Carter Hart in yeah. for Philly, so. Thank you to everyone who tuned in here today. Alex, appreciate you hopping on here with me. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe to the Edgework YouTube channel. You can also turn on notifications there by clicking that bell. You will get notified every time that we go live, Monday through Friday, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. If you missed it, uh, missed the show, you just caught the end of it, you can watch it back on YouTube or you can find us on all podcasting platforms as Edgework. As well, you can find us on Twitter so you can see when we will be going live as Edgework Show and you can track all the picks that are given out on this show on the Bet Stamp app as edgework in the find Betters section. Good luck on it, on your bets tonight everybody. Alex, I appreciate you hopping on here. Good luck with your bets tonight and I will see you tomorrow and we'll see everyone back here on the Edgework show on the Edgework YouTube channel tomorrow morning 10:30 a.m. Eastern time. All right, later y'all.